today on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. Is really understanding the anatomy of the vagus nerve to be able to influence it from a sensory perspective. So for example, there's, if we think 80% of the information from the vagus nerve is going up to the brain, so we can tap into not only from a food perspective and potentially probiotics and things like that, but we can also tap into it from a visceral standpoint. So doing different types of abdominal massages, very specific things and very specific techniques can be super helpful for certain people who might be all in their head, very cerebral and have a hard time connecting to their body and being in their body. Hello, hello. I'm your host for today, Dr. Kate Henry, and today I'm talking with Dr. Ariane Mismer. Dr. Ariane is an Institute for Functional Medicine certified practitioner, doctor of physical therapy, registered dietitian, mindfulness educator, and strength and conditioning specialist. Today, we're talking with her about the critical role of mindset, nutrition, and movement in creating a life where you can thrive no matter what. We like to call them the root causes of resilience. We'll go over specific tools that will boost your nervous system health and how Dr. Ariane leveraged mindset to compete in American Ninja Warrior during her cancer treatment and more. You'll love today's episode if you're someone who's looking to level up and meet life's challenges no matter what gets thrown at you. We'll go over specific exercises you can do and give you case studies that prove that this method works. Before we get started though, I wanna to talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that, of course, is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. If you're an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you're placing a ton of different orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health. Rupa is the best way to order, manage, and track results from over 30 different labs in one single place for free. Thank goodness. No need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. If you're a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create your free account today. Now, let's start the show. Dr. Ariane, welcome to the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you today. You have such an incredible story to share with folks. One of the things that stood out to me is that in 2016, in the incredible TED Talk you gave, you said that you believe strongly that positive mindset, optimal nutrition, and movement have helped you overcome some of life's biggest challenges. And I happen to know have led to the creation of your one-of-a-kind unique practice where you combine all three. Can you tell us what you meant by that? I sure can. So I think the biggest thing that had an impact on my personal life and definitely my professional life was losing my brother to cancer. And I distinctly remember when he was in hospice and he was losing function of his arm and leg because lung cancer had spread to his brain. And I remember being with him during that time and thinking, wow, what a great gift movement is and health is and how much we tend to take it for granted. And losing him made me really appreciate that even more and dedicate my entire life to helping people achieve their best lives and fulfillment and feel great, longevity, all the things that I try to focus on now in my practice. That's so beautiful. And you have even more to your story. You have so many degrees. So you're an RD, a PT, you're Institute for Functional Medicine certified, you have a master's in mindfulness, and you also have an incredible breadth and depth of life experience. 
And when I think of you, one of the things I think of is that you truly embody what it means to thrive during cancer treatment and after cancer. Can you tell us a little bit about that part of your story and how it informs the way you practice today? Absolutely. And thank you so much for saying that. So I was diagnosed with cancer almost eight years ago with stage three liposarcoma, and it was a very rare and aggressive cancer. There's 50 different types of sarcoma, and there's only 12,000 cases a year. So when I was diagnosed, I had that moment of thinking to myself, wow, how could I dedicate my whole life to health? And I get this really rare cancer. And according to Cure Magazine that I did an article for, they called liposarcoma the bad luck cancer. But I thought of it as an opportunity because, of course, I went through my normal grieving process, as anyone would do in that situation. It was two months before my wedding, so not knowing if I was going to be able to get married, my cancer experience was losing my brother to cancer. And so I had that time period where I really had to grieve and process. And then I came to this moment where I remember very distinctly looking at myself in the mirror and I had already been two chemo treatments in. And realized that, wow, I look really skinny. And I said to myself, I look like a cancer patient. But it was such a wake up call to me because I wasn't working out. I wasn't doing the things that made me feel great. And so that's when my motto became challenge accepted. And I decided to really embrace everything that I've shared with patients and clients for years, which is mindset, nutrition and movement. And I was really practicing all those things. So I, of course, like anybody else would do, decided to train for American Ninja Warrior <laughs> during my treatment. <laughs> I would go to the gym. I would basically go to treatment, come home from treatment on the train, go right to the ninja gym. And I thought of it as a really interesting dichotomy in that I was overcoming one of the biggest obstacles of my life, yet I was training obstacles. And I think every time I left, I felt so empowered. and so. Fast forward, I ended up competing on American Ninja Warrior season eight, which was such an incredible honor and experience. And although it seemed amazing to my friends and family, those that were supporting me, I think the biggest take home from me is that I did overcome a huge obstacle, much bigger than American Ninja Warrior. But I had the confidence in myself and my body that I can get through this no matter how hard it is. And if there's any way possible to appreciate health and movement even more than I already did, it happened. So now I do take great pride in embodying what health is and trying to do my very best. I'm not perfect, but try to do my very best to share that with my patients as well. Brilliant. You have a book. For everyone listening, Dr. Arian has a book. You must read it. And you have to go watch that TED Talk. It's incredibly inspiring. What I love about your practice today is that you really do combine mindset, nutrition, movement, and in a seamless way. I love hearing you talk about the thread that combines all of those things, because I think a lot of people think of those as three separate categories of health, but to you and the way you practice, they're one and the same. How are they connected? Yes, I've always had this deep passion for looking at the person as a whole person. So I'm not looking at a diagnosis, I'm not looking at a symptom, but I'm looking at the person that's coming into me, the human being in front of me that does embody all of those things. And I think in my journey after treatment was that I was really beginning to appreciate the emotional and mental well-being of health and recognizing that there was a lot of missing links. And although I was very focused on breath work for most of my practice, most really since I was 23, I think at my first personal training studio that I owned, I was focusing on breath work 
And then I got a little deeper into that and realized that breath was really uniting those things. And when I finished treatment and I had this moment of, okay, what's my next step? It was mindfulness. And so I did my graduate work in applied mindfulness. And it was such a beautiful journey personally and professionally to be able to bring that to my patients. But I still felt like at the end of it, that there was a little bit of a missing piece and that most people, as you can appreciate, Dr. Kate, if you're really anxious, it's hard to meditate. And if you're really anxious, it's hard to breathe. (laughs) Yeah. And so these things that whether it was me saying it or another practitioner saying it, I thought, wow, these aren't necessarily really tangible for patients at different times. And I think what began to unite everything for me was the vagus nerve. And I tried to really dive deep into the science and the anatomy and how it literally is affecting every aspect of our being from how we regulate our nervous system and bring ourselves to that rest and digest state, how we're digesting our food, but then also are we creating a safe place? Are we in a safe place in our body to be able to exercise and to be able to exercise pain-free and move and build resiliency in our emotional and physical being. And you can feel that when you walk in your clinic. Guys, I have been to Dr. Arianne's clinic and you feel like you just exhale when you walk in and you feel very held and safe. And I know that's really intentional on your part. And as I'm looking at you, if you guys are watching, if you aren't watching, what I can see behind Dr. Arianne is that her sign says mindset, nutrition, movement in that order. And it seems to me that's intentional. For those of you who don't know, I want you guys to like, if you're not driving, hold up your left hand and your right hand and think about your nervous system as having two halves. That left hand, that first half is your parasympathetic nervous system governed by one nerve, really, the vagus nerve. The other half, your right hand, is governed by all these sympathetic nerves that come out of your spinal cord, the nerves you think about when you think of all the nerves that run through the body. And all of those nerves do your go-be-do things. The vagus nerve is really the only nerve in your body telling you rest, digest, breathe. But why is that important when it comes to movement and nutrition and overall health, Dr. Arianne? Yeah, so I always like to think about from the mindset part of it, and I love thinking of mindset hacks and neuroscience hacks, but when we're thinking about how that relates to the vagus nerve and being in a rest and digest state, I like to think of the cornerstone of that as a sense of safety. And in order for us to do anything, in order for us to move efficiently, in order for us to optimize our digestion and how we're responding to the foods that we're putting in our body and our mindset, we have to come from a safe place. And so I do reference Dr. Stephen Porges' polyvagal theory quite frequently in my practice and use that as a conceptual framework to educate and to integrate into everyone's patient care. Because if we think of how he describes it is there's these three aspects to the nervous system. And so in the bottom, we're in a state of social engagement where we're connected, we're grounded, we're mindful, we're joyful, compassionate. When we're in our fight or flight, we're maybe worried or stressed or anxious or angry. And then when we're in our free state, we might be shut down or numb or disassociated. And I always like to explain to everyone is that we're always moving through those states and we're always changing. And that's a good thing. But ultimately, for us to become more resilient in life and stay in that resilient zone, if you will, so not in that hyper arousal or hypo arousal state, then to do that, we can optimize the vagus nerve through exercises and through 
strategies and different ways I call them hacks. And the only reason I do that is to make it accessible for people, to make it fun to learn about your nervous system and to be able to ultimately tune and tone it. Who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think vagus nerve is a very hot topic, particularly among therapy professionals and functional medicine professionals. But one thing I love about your app and by the way, if you guys aren't following Dr. Arian on Instagram, I need you to because she does so much free education that you will get like a PhD in this stuff by just following her. But one of the things I love most about your app was that you have over 50 vagus nerve and nervous system hacks that people can learn right away. And I think most of us might only know about three. Maybe we know about pace breathing, the cold water splash, and that's it. But it seems like there's more. So what other stuff are you teaching people? Absolutely. So I think the common ones that we might hear about are the things that you mentioned, maybe humming, meditating, cold showers, et cetera. But there's so many more in terms of really understanding, and that's been my interest, is really understanding the anatomy of the vagus nerve to be able to influence it from a sensory perspective. So for example, there's, if we think 80% of the information from the vagus nerve is going up to the brain. So we can tap into not only from a food perspective and potentially probiotics and things like that, but we can also tap into it from a visceral standpoint. So doing different types of abdominal massages, very specific things and very specific techniques can be super helpful for certain people who might be all in their head, very cerebral and have a hard time connecting to their body and being in their body. So I love doing a lot of visceral techniques using balls, using your hands, very gentle, simple strategies but also things revolving the head and neck, because if we think of the anatomy of the vagus nerve, for the listeners who may need a quick reminder, if it's not a professional, would be coming into the branches, into the ear, into the throat, into the heart, into the entire digestive tract. So there's lots of ways to tap into it, such as an ear release, which is a craniosacral technique, but also can be great vagus nerve exercise and lots of things through the mouth and throat as well. You have a case study that I really love because it demonstrates the power of some of these vagus nerve exercises for healing a condition when maybe other functional medicine things weren't working. This case study is of Michelle. Can you tell us about Michelle? What was going on with her and the vagus nerve interventions that you use to help her heal fast? Yes, so fast. <laughs> she was such a fun case. So she was a mom of two boys and she came in, she had her gallbladder removed 10 years prior and was throwing up every single morning for 10 years. And she could not eat after 6.30 p.m. or the same thing. She would get violently ill. Oh my God. So because of that, she also was having bloating. She was having constipation. She was having heavy periods, fatigue, sleep issues. And what was so fascinating with her is that I always really try to listen to how something is happening with a patient. She said that when she was, I said, how does that happen when you're throwing up in the morning? Do you just wake up and feel nauseous and you have to throw up or is something triggering it? So she would go to brush her teeth and that's mm -hmm. when she would have that response. So she was getting her gag reflex, right? And so as soon as she said that, I said, oh, we're gonna fix that right away. <laughs> and I said, and then we could focus on all the other things. So what was great is in that visit, of course, I suggested bile right away because she was not taking that. But before we got into a full treatment plan, I gave her one specific neural sequencing exercise. 
So I had her do nice breath in through the nose, breath out, just relax, breath in and out through the nose. Then she would hum for as loud and long as she could. And then she would wait for a swallow. So there's this moment where you don't feel safe, especially if you have a faulty gag reflex and or hyperactive gag reflex. There's this moment where you don't feel safe, but that's part of what you're retraining. So literally after that visit, by the time she came in the next time, she didn't throw up from the day after on. Wow. One day. One day. One day. And the reason we knew that was what it was, because that was the only thing she implemented fast enough. And from there, we focused on a comprehensive plan. So, of course, she wasn't eating enough, a little bit of disordered eating. But part of that was she was afraid to eat. So she was fasting in the morning. And so we really helped with doing some testing. But truthfully, we didn't need to do a lot because everything resolved very quickly from there. By the time within three months, and that was just checking in periodically, all of her symptoms had resolved. She was not throwing up at all. And we were focusing mostly on eating, fueling for performance as it relates to our workouts, which was so fun (laughs) and totally shifted her mindset about food and really more of food for performance and medicine as opposed to being fearful of it. So really fun. Wow. And for the functional medicine practitioners in the audience, you guys know a lot of times that it takes a client a while to shop for the foods you're suggesting, get the supplement, get the testing. And it's so powerful when you can give someone something they can do that will make them feel better in just a few hours. And that then becomes a tool for the rest of their life that they can use for free. It's what I love about the medicine you practice is that it's so incredibly empowering It really gives people tools that they can use anywhere, anytime to then, again, like you're saying, set the foundation for them to heal everything else. Once she started regulating her nervous system, she was able to do everything else that helped her thrive. And we are so fortunate because we're going to be putting Michelle's case study on the Rupa magazine. So you guys can go look up Michelle's story and see exactly start to finish. What did Dr. Ariane do to help this client heal? Please send it to someone who may be having these same symptoms. It is amazing how often clients don't talk about this, just vomiting every day, right? Or just like something that many of us would consider to be disabling. So many clients have just normalized, right? Or they've given up or they've seen doctors and they feel like, okay, this is where I am. But I want you guys to feel encouraged and to feel hopeful that you can go look at this from start to finish. And I'm so grateful that Dr. Ariane is writing that up for us. You have another case study that demonstrates the power of considering the gut when you're thinking about optimal movement. And I just want to take a minute to appreciate you again, because you're a physical therapist and an RD. And so I think a lot of people would think, oh, she's going to talk to me about lifting weights and eating food. And here these people are, and you're talking to them about vagus nerve exercises and gut testing. But it seems like that's a necessity that you needed to start including in your practice to help people heal. And Ben is a really excellent example of why. So can you tell us a little bit about his story? and what you did for him. Yeah, so Ben was a little bit more of a complicated case. He came in and he initially was having vasovagal responses. He was in the hospital for three days because they were trying to do testing and figure out what was going on. It was post-COVID, so that was definitely a possibility. And he was in a very hypervigilant state, although he didn't feel anxious himself. So everyone was telling him he was anxious, (laughs) but he didn't necessarily feel that himself, but was having heart palpitations, shortness of breath, flushing, and even some swelling in his cheek. So there's a lot of things going on and he was under the care of a lot of doctors as well under conventional medicine. 
he reached out to me because of the vagus nerve. So he said, hey, I'm having vagus nerve issues. <laughs> And I think I need help with my vagus nerve, which is how a lot of people reach out to me. And what's interesting to your point is as much as I love talking about the vagus nerve, I love integrating all of it together. Because of course, in this situation, it isn't going to be as simple as here's a vagus nerve exercise and you're all better. Of course, with his treatment, we did do a lot of testing, allergy testing, thyroid testing, some other nutrient testing as well. And what had happened was through the process, again, he was under conventional medicine. So he was diagnosed with POTS. He was diagnosed with mastocytosis. And then we're doing, so I did, wanted to do a stool test. And so where I think for Ben, this really became, just started to integrate a little bit more was that when we did a stool test, he had H. pylori, which was quite elevated. He also had two elevated opportunistic bacteria, which was staphylococcus and streptococcus. And he also had antibodies to gluten. So we had already dabbled in, I suggested, to take out gluten and to take out dairy temporarily. And he was on a low histamine diet. But that was really a confirmation for me as well as him because we looked at, there was three things that were dry, that were mast cell activators. So the H. pylori and then the two opportunistic bacteria. So that was really insightful for him. And I think it helped him to validate things. Not that was the only thing in and of itself. But once we started to treat that and with that along with quercetin, we also did a gut healing protocol to specifically address those things. And I always like to think of the gut healing. I try to do it in phases. So I'll say we're going to do this for phase one. We're going to do this for phase two, potentially phase three, just so that it's not overwhelming because I think his whole situation was so overwhelming for many reasons. So he's doing great. He is managing. We did a ton of vagus nerve exercises. And I think the things that really resonated with him were things more related to his airway. So we did a lot of breath work. He does, I believe, have airway dysfunction. That'll be his next journey. <laughs> so we did different breathing techniques. We did things like ear release, the auricular release. We did lymph drainage, which is a really big part for him because you can't get well in the environment you got sick in. So for him, that was a really big piece of it. And he continues to integrate all those things. He's also working out three days a week with people, which is great and a great community. So he's doing great. I love that. So let's drill into, you said mastocytosis, and some of our listeners may not know what that is or the symptoms that are associated with it, but it can be debilitating. Can you talk us through what that is and how people might know that they or a loved one have it? or to start to suspect that they have it? So it can present as allergy type symptoms. So it could present for someone like hives or rashes or something like that with increased histamine response because the mast cells would be creating this histamine release. But it also can present differently for other people like anxiety and like just other allergy things like phlegm in his throat and heart palpitations. So I think that, and you're so great at this, Dr. Kate, but I think it's a matter of really looking at the person and trying to fit all the pieces together. And I think for him, it really was a lot of different aspects. I don't think it was all one thing, but I think the comprehensive plan with functional medicine and conventional medicine was really helpful to understanding that. Absolutely. I was glad you were going to talk about this because dysautonomia and mast cell disorders and histamine disorders, I think we haven't done a great job yet of creating a nation or worldwide network of doctors who can help clients heal from these quickly. It often takes clients a long time to know that they have these disorders. Mast cells, guys, are these kind of big cells that float around in your blood. And when they're exposed to an allergen, 
they release little bubbles of histamine. And then you get a histamine release overall in your system and you can have those symptoms Dr. Arian was talking about. Sneezing, hives, itching, runny nose, phlegm in your throat, anxiety because of the way that mast cell release affects the nervous system and is associated with an adrenaline release. And so often these things are happening at such a low level that you may just have normalized them and think, oh, I'm just a rashy, itchy person. Or I just like constantly getting sick. The other thing that can happen and why dysautonomia is often related to these disorders is that when you get a mast cell release of histamine, it can drop your blood pressure. And so you can experience what feels like you're about to faint, right? Or you all of a sudden feel super fatigued and like you have to lay down. And it can lead to issues over time with regulating your blood pressure and your heart rate. And so we often see mast cell disorders and dysautonomia occurring together. And so much of it is because of what Dr. Arian has already said about the way the nervous system is linked with the immune system and the gut. And so I think this is a beautiful example of how someone who's coming to you, they came to you because you're a vagus nerve person and they knew enough at the time to know, I think the vagus nerve is involved in this. But they came to you and you are a physical therapist with a degree in nutrition and mindfulness. And through looking at their gut, along with other things, you were able to help them heal. And this is two stories of many. You have a really unique approach in your practice. So for someone who hasn't been to see a clinician like you, what does it look like when somebody comes in for the first day and sees you for the first time? How are you doing the medical detective work? to find the root cause? Of course, a lot of paperwork <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> but I do explain, of course, as all of us, so I do explain to the patients normally in a discovery session that I will use every ounce of that paperwork to really begin my assessment of the patient. And I think that in and of itself, when they are jump on a call with me for the first time and they know that I've prepared and I've organized all of their symptoms into a matrix and they're, I'm really asking them very specific questions, they're already feeling safe, which is one of the first things that I want people to feel. And through that process, I'm always trying to organize and prioritize what is going to get them to feel the best, the fastest. And so although they might come in with one specific goal in mind, and I will, of course, honor that, I am always looking to see, okay, do I need to focus on sleep today or can I hold that to next session? Do I need to focus on nervous system regulation today or can we push that off a minute, a day or two? So I'm always really trying to identify what are those specific things that are going to get them to feel the best, the fastest, so that I can build trust and rapport and create the sense of safety so that I can move through the process much more efficiently with them. I think my experience with functional medicine personally was very overwhelming. And I was in a place where I really needed it after treatment. And I needed someone to tell me this is what you need to do. And I felt like it was very overwhelming in terms of the cost and the supplements and the testing. And my goal is I try so hard to never make it overwhelming for a patient and to truly empower them to heal their own bodies. Then I'm just facilitating. I'm just giving them the tools. And then ultimately, they're healing their own bodies. It's beautiful. I heard you talk about in an interview you gave, I think last year, about the importance of story and how so many people, particularly in America, they may be used to going to a doctor and talking about one specific symptom. And they may have never sat with a clinician and told their whole story, start to finish, symptoms head to toe, and been able to actually, even for themselves, hear their whole story in context. 
And so you catch that story and you do that detective work to immediately figure out what's going on with them. But the thing that I love the most about you, if I can pick one thing, is that I know how hard you work to make sure that the care is accessible. And like you said, that it doesn't feel overwhelming. And so to that end, you have created a lot of content that's free. Like people don't need to spend an arm and a leg after they leave your office to begin to feel better fast. What have you developed for people that they can use as tools at home that are inexpensive, on demand? You have a whole library. Tell us about what's in that and why it matters. Yeah. Yeah. So I created the Movement Paradigm app because of that exact reason that I really want to be able to reach more people and help everyone understand that it can be accessible. And there's things that you can do in your daily life that can make such a profound difference on your health and longevity. So in the app, it's really, and it's a continuation, but I'm working on, I have vagus nerve, I have somatic program with really just understanding where are you right now as it relates to your nervous system, identifying what state you're in, and then being able to do an exercise or a hack to be able to shift that state. Also lymphatic drainage, a step-by-step, how do you do lymphatic drainage? How do you assess your lymph? How do you reassess? So testing and reassessing. So all of these things are going to be included as well as nutrition, of course, and as well as movement, because as you mentioned earlier in the podcast is movement is definitely been my entire life and it 100% has helped me heal through so many of life's challenges consistently. And I think it's something that is such a gift. And I really hope that people can adopt a healthy mindset towards movement and that it doesn't have to be powerlifting, although I love powerlifting, and it doesn't have to be yoga, but it's understanding the beauty really of how your body actually works and how do you stabilize your body and how do you mobilize your body and why is that important for the things that you want to do in life? Because at the end of the day, as we all get older, we all want to be able to do the things we want to do without any (laughs) reservations. And that's ultimately what movement is about. Yeah, you say mobility, stability, strength, those sort of three pillars. Okay, you have a way of looking at movement as like holistic movement. It's not just the ability to go on a walk or the ability to rip a couple hundred pounds off the floor as a power lifter. And so you do some unique things when it comes to movement assessment and movement therapy in your practice like looking at things like asymmetrical movement patterns and you talk about high quality movement. What are those things? So I like to think of it. So from an assessment standpoint, that's probably a good starting point is we're assessing, we're not saying is something good or bad, but what we are looking at is, is this pattern, particular movement pattern functional or are there some compensations that could eventually lead to injury if it hasn't already? Are they painful or are they not painful? And so what that begins to tell us is where, just like everything else as it relates to root cause, is where do we need to start this process? So we're not going to necessarily power through a painful shoulder and just do more shoulder exercises. We're going to try to figure out why does that hurt and where are you compensating that's leading to potentially repetitive injury or some compensation long term in the shoulder. So From that, for the listeners, what I like to think about is, as it relates to movement, is just being able to move when you say high quality. That is so true. So move with high quality so that you are preventing injury, ultimately, Mm -hmm. and you're able to sustain anything that you want to do. So if it is walking or if it is yoga or if it is powerlifting, you're training to support your life and sport. 
Ooh, life and sport. Building your body to really building a resilient body. And like I said, in mind and body. So creating patterns that strengthen you and elevate life and sport rather than break you down and lead to these degenerative changes. So adopting a completely different way of moving. Oh my gosh, this sounds very holistic. I know you have a six-week program. So is this accessible to anyone anywhere? Yes, it is accessible to anyone anywhere. Wow. Okay. And so you walk people through? Yeah. So in the six-week gym program, it's essentially going to be a combination of movement preparation. So I call it movement preparation versus warm-up. Because it's preparing your nervous system for the demands of the activity. It is also prepping your mobility, so your freedom of motion, as well as stability. So how well you're able to sequence and coordinate patterns. And then it's followed by a strength program that really in this particular program is designed to address asymmetries. So it's a lot of unilateral patterns It's a lot of things that are very intentional. It's meant to do at the gym, but of course you could do it at home. It does have gym equipment involved in it, but it's really designed to help you understand and build a better, more resilient body. Okay. I can hear people like going and finding your app inside. They can get this on your app, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So all of the programs are accessible just as a program itself, as well as a subscription. And then you have access to all of it. I thank you for doing that. Doctors are busy and we love all of you. And usually if you're a functional medicine doctor who word gets out that you help people heal, you're busy. And so it's nights and weekends when you're filming this stuff for free and keeping it accessible. This is at a very accessible price for folks. And you did not have to do this. I'm so grateful that you did. I'm thinking of all the people who are thinking, all right, I want to fly in to see Dr. Ariane and just live there for a month. Talk to us about where you are, how your practice works, what type of clients you're accepting. And then I also want to just take a minute to talk to the person who may not live in the United States, who may not be able to come travel to see you, or what can they do where they are to build their own plan that really encompasses all the things that you're talking about that help people heal and thrive. Sure. So where I'm located is Downingtown, greater Westchester area in Pennsylvania. And my practice is called the Movement Paradigm. So it is an integrative health center focusing all of these three pillars of mindset, nutrition, movement. And ultimately, we're the people that we see are people that are ready to commit to their health and have been dealing with either chronic pain, chronic health issues, whatever that may be, and regardless of how long it has been. So I think a lot of people might think, oh, I've had this for 30 years. It's fine. Why bother with it now? And it doesn't really matter how long you've been dealing with something. That's really what our goal is. And if you don't know where to start, we do. As long as you can help provide all of the information and your goals and your symptoms and your concerns and what's preventing you from thriving, then we can help you with the plan and we can navigate that. And that's a team approach. So that's really our goal is to work with you to decide what are the most important things to start with and how do you feel about this and to make it that safe environment so that you can heal your body. And I think for that we do see people all over the country as well as international. So we can do telehealth. So feel free to reach out for a discovery session for that. And as it relates to people, that wouldn't be an option. I think it's really just building your team. And I think it's understanding what is good medicine and what is maybe things on Instagram that you're following that might not be as helpful. I think that's really important because I think the more information that's on the internet, I think sometimes is making it more confusing for people 
instead of less confusing. Is that a fair statement? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a powerful tool. You can definitely wind up with information overload. So for those people who are dealing with that, what were you going to recommend? What I would recommend is finding the people that you feel like are people like you that are really knowledgeable and providing really solid content and sticking to podcasts like this that are just providing really high quality information And so that you're getting your information from accurate sources and beginning to integrate things at a very small and slow pace. Because I think that is the part that we tend to jump into. Okay, I'm going to do elimination diet and I'm going to do this and I'm going to cut alcohol and I'm doing all the things. And unfortunately, that just creates such overwhelm and normally just a crash and burn. So I think with these types of health changes, although we've talked about a couple of people today that have made fast changes, it still is a journey. It's still months of working on changing your lifestyle, changing all of those modifiable lifestyle factors, your sleep, your nutrition, your relationships, your nervous system. So I think just taking just small little nuggets and just implementing one or two things at a time would be my biggest piece of advice for those that might not find all of this accessible. Okay. Brilliant. And you have the IFM certification. So you're certified in functional medicine. You're a physical therapist and you use a functional approach. You're an RD, registered dietitian, and you also use a functional approach with that. So something that you guys could do if you can't see Dr. Ariane is look for a functional medicine certified practitioner near you. Look for a physical therapist who does functional movement screen or who's using language like Dr. Ariane is using on their website, on their social Don't be afraid to call and ask them if they use this approach. And mindfulness-based stress reduction program is available a ton of places, but it seems like with your app, people can get it all in their hand all at once, which I really love. And guys, I didn't prepare Dr. Arianne for these questions, but I feel like I want to ask you some of this stuff because I'm just picturing the person listening to this who may have their own journey with grief or may have lost a loved one to cancer, who may have just been diagnosed. And I want to reach into their heart for a minute and just give you the microphone to speak to them. What would you want to say to that person? The first thing I would say is that we all have our own journey. And although I shared mine, that isn't necessarily everyone else's. And I think my biggest reminder is that you have an amazing life to live. And there are so many things that are within your control, even though cancer is not. So even though we might be able to do all the treatments, we don't have complete control over the outcome. But what you do have control over are the things that you choose day in and day out through this process and well beyond. I would never say that it's an easy journey. And in fact, I'm still working on healing my body from all of the treatment and will continue to for the rest of my life, really. But the outcome for me is that I'm here and I'm healthy and I'm thriving and I'm committed to helping other people. And I think that if you're going through this at this time to just focus on that part is what you can control, which is absolutely mindset, nutrition and movement. (laughs) Might not be American Ninja Warrior. It could be just getting off the couch. (laughs) Yeah. But that's a big one. Yes. So focusing on what you can control and the life you are going to live. Again, you have this beautiful TED talk you did that summarizes this so well. So I want people to go watch that. If you're feeling inspired by Dr. Arianne, you want more, follow her, right? There's so much content that she's created. You have a book that people can read, which is called? 
Rise Up, Journey of Healing Through Mindset, Nutrition, and Movement. Beautiful. Yep. Again, hearing people like typing that in to Amazon right now, they can go to your site too and get that. I think it's brilliant because it can be so easy to feel overwhelmed and you make this so doable and so inspiring. And you really, by focusing on what you can do, where this is where your like challenge accepted catchphrase comes from of just like looking at this as a challenge that I'm going to meet. And this translates to more areas of life than just a diagnosis or a loss. It does seem like a mindset that you put on every morning. Do you have a practice that can help people remember to ground back into this mindset? Because it's so easy to feel pumped up one day and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be like Dr. Ariane. I'm going to get challenge accepted. And then the next day we revert back to our old habits. So for someone who's like, I want this, I want to put on this attitude and really inhabit this, what's something that you would recommend that they could do to make this a habit? I think you just said the word, which is the habit. And I think that for me has been my number one thing with myself personally, but also with my patients and that it's a journey. And so I'm, even though I'm very goal oriented, I am always thinking about the day to day habits that I'm doing. Mm. So I'm exercising, I'm going to the gym four days a week, no matter what. Mm. I am going to sleep at 9 30, no matter what. For me, that is what it is. And what I love the most is the process. So if I sign up for a powerlifting competition, it's not because of the competition, it's because I love the training process. And I think habits are the core aspect of mindset, because if we can decide to go to sleep, for example, at 9.30 or 10 every night, if we can wake up and have morning sunlight, if we could go for a walk and get five to 8,000 steps a day, if we can do those things consistently, then habits are easy to build upon. But if we're having a hard time just starting the habit in the first place, then it's probably too big. <laughs> it's probably something that's not sustainable. And I think that's a really important aspect is just choosing one to two small things that you can really build that habit, just like brushing your teeth. I always use that as an example, because I think everyone does that. <laughs> then if we're doing that, that was something that, of course, we had to think about initially, but now we don't at all. And if we can break these health habits out into tangible pieces like brushing your teeth, that is, to me, one of the biggest tickets to mindset. Of course, there's lots of other fun things to talk about as it relates to that, but I think that's one of the core principles. Brilliant. And that reminds me of, for those of you who don't know, I used to work with 80 therapists, which was like the funnest time of my life. I learned so much from them. And part of what they would say is that you should choose a process goal, not an outcome goal. Not set out to say, I'm now going to be as positive as possible because that's an outcome goal. But rather, what would get you there? What are the habits that would get you there? Is it making sure that every day you write down five things you're grateful for in a journal? And maybe doing that with your family so you're also bonding. Or do you know that you feel better when you exercise and that just naturally leads to a better mindset. So then your process goal is four times a week, I'm going to exercise. And that's so much more attainable. Like Dr. Arian is saying, habits, process goals, don't try to just arrive into this challenge accepted mindset all the time, but instead think, what are the components of that? How do I build that every day? And then just focusing on those one to two things. So last thing, is there anything else on your heart that you'd want to share with our audience who's listening today? I 
just want everyone to know that wherever you are in your journey, whether you've had trauma, whether you've had grief, whether you have chronic health conditions, chronic pain, that there is a path to healing. And whether you're working with a professional or you're navigating this journey on your own, which sometimes is necessary, that believing in your body and its ability to heal, I think is one of the most powerful things that you can do. Because the other things that we've talked about today are the easy things, changing your diet and changing your sleep routine and adding a vagus nerve exercise. But the belief that your body is capable and it is resilient is perhaps one of the most important things to guide you. With that, thank you, Dr. Ariane, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We have one quick favor to ask you before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? Our whole goal is to bring this education right to the people who need it. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing and we so appreciate it. We'll catch you next time on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast.